Hello and welcome to Office Hours. I am Greg Yachtman. As you can see on your screen right now, I am joined by two gentlemen. Uh, one, Mehmet Yavuz, who's always here at Office Hours. Uh, but the second, uh, you may have seen before on Slice of Salona, this is Dean Bubbly. So Dean Bubbly is a futurist. He's an analyst. He's an all-around wireless expert. And we're lucky to have him with us today because today we're discussing uh, the going from private 4G to 5G. There's a lot in that to unpack. So maybe I hand this over to Mehmet so he can go a little bit deeper and then we'll have Dean jump on top. And next thing you know, we'll all be experts. So Mehmet, if you want to get into that topic, I'd appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Greg. Dean, so nice to have you here today talking to us. And I think the topic is very interesting. The transition of private networks, private cellular networks from 4G to 5G. And this has multiple dimensions, of course, right? There are uh, many applications that's already driving the 4G deployments, uh, the device ecosystem and spectrum coming up uh, in many different places. There's this transition we see in some locations into 5G. So I'm, I'm really excited to go into details of those. Um, maybe to, to kickstart the whole conversation, Dean, uh, maybe we can start talking about the applications first, right? Uh, we see a lot of applications today uh, in uh, places like warehousing, logistics, and some manufacturing environments, driving a lot of uh, use cases with the 4G technology and their uh, deployments that are in operation today, for example, in US. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, thank you. And uh, thanks, uh, Greg and Mehmet, for inviting me along. So yeah, just a bit of background. I, 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 as an analyst, I've actually been covering private cellular for a, a long time. I mean, I remember 2G private cellular back from like 20 years ago. Um, so I've been watching this uh, and it's really hit an inflection point in the last you know, year or two. <clears throat> so what I'm seeing at the moment is there are a lot of use cases that work perfectly well with private LTE. Um, and you know, obviously a lot of the early CBRS products with that and things like fixed wireless access, things like you know, sort of basic uh, push to talk for for handhelds, um, you know, certain cameras and so on. What I'm starting to see now for private networks, particularly in some of the more in the, um, demanding industrial verticals, is there is there is a demand for either greater capacity density, where you've got lots of devices in one area. Or you have perhaps things which well, uh, require uh, more flexible amounts of downlink and uplink capacity. So where you've got, say, 4K or 8K cameras streaming in real time um, back to the network, you've got an uplink centric application. And, and I'm seeing also some interest in things like LiDAR, um, <clears throat> things like laser scanners for metrology for, you know, the could be using 5G in future, perhaps aren't today. Um, they may even be wired today. But there's certainly things which are sort of visual or high, high input volumes is one. And the other thing is we talk a lot about low latency. I'd say at the moment, we're not quite at the sort of ultra low latency that people have been talking about for a few years. But you can see some applications coming down the line uh, that will need that in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one important point to highlight here is that the 3GPP technology is not just one specific snapshot, right? I mean, LTE has been around, uh, 5G started uh, with release 15, it's evol evolved into release 16, release 17 is being uh, getting uh, finalized and, and so forth. 
So there's all these transition of new releases uh, that hmm. happens. And what we see uh, in many cases is what really matters is a deterministic, a reliable performance, right? Many applications uh, don't need one millisecond latency. They're perfectly fine with 30 millisecond latency, as long as you can guarantee that latency for that application, right? I think that's yeah, maybe like th you, you might have a have a machine that needs to sort of um, send data on 30, 60, 90, 120, and it can't be, you know, 30, 62, 87, you know, 94 or whatever. Exactly, exactly. And so that's why in, in uh, many places we see the end customers are not waiting for the perfect, right? You can always wait for the perfect one millisecond latency, but, Many applications today, uh, along the lines of what you described, are starting. Uh, that's what we're observing in US. Uh, this also is uh, starting to happen in Europe and other places as well. Uh, I mean, one, one example I really love to talk about is warehousing and transportation yards and so forth, right? In those uh, places where they do the automation, that when they transition to you know, these uh, robots uh, for warehousing applications or forklifts, which has a lot of uh, goods and other things that they need to handle in the outside yards, you know, with the handheld ruggedized tablets and so forth, that reliable connection becomes a crucial aspect, right? And uh, so the way I see it is many of these end customers are starting today for the key use cases that they have, and they would love to see the evolution path into you know different releases of 5G as the devices come up. I, I agree, but I think there's, there's a couple of other variables here. One is in some parts of the world, the spectrum that's made available for private networks, there's only 5G. If you have some parts of the world that have millimeter wave, uh, private private cellular uh, spectrum for enterprises, and there are you're not going to have 4G running in 28 gigahertz. The same thing in here in the UK where I am, we have a band which is like the top of band 77 between 38, 3.8, and 4.2 gigahertz. That's pretty much 5G only. The German 37 to 38, you could probably do. You can, I think you can do with 4G or 5G, but you do have that spectrum dependency, um, okay. uh, and so I think that's uh, an important factor. The other thing is is around device availability. Is you know, frankly, you, know, you you can't get low cost 5G devices today. Yeah, in fact, probably in some in some product categories, you can't get low cost 4G either. I mean, I remember if you're in a factory and you want to do asset tracking. You can't buy a screwdriver with a cellular radio in it, really. Um, well, that might change in future with, um, there's a version of 5G called REDCap, reduced capability, which is intended to be for sort of lower cost IoT scenarios. So that might be a, a, a bit of a changer. But what you, interestingly, you talked about things like the automation for warehouses and uh, transportation yards. Often, if you've got something like a forklift and it's, I don't know how much the forklift cost, $20,000, know, uh, whatever the number happens to be, or a truck or something like that, then you can afford to have a fairly expensive modem on it. Um, whereas you know, if it's a $200 video camera, you're not going to put a $500 modem on it. Correct. Correct. And this, this is a very important factor too. And another aspect is their, their uh, band support and other dimensions that come into picture. So the good news is we see some 5G devices becoming available uh, in US and Europe, but 
from, from 4G perspective in LTE world, for example, there are a lot of devices today. And that's driving uh, many use cases from tablets to handhelds to uh, some of the IoT gateways uh, connecting to end devices. Because if, if the end device, I mean, even a forklift or a bot doesn't have the cellular module, uh, what we see uh, our, our end customers doing is they're using an IoT gateway to handle that connectivity. Yeah. But of course, cost is always a, a concern. They need to be at the right price point. And the good news is that's coming down and uh, additional band supports are increasing. And some, some countries are leading, honestly. I think there's a lot of things happening in US given the CBRS mm. can uh, work in LTE. Now in uh, Europe and other places, uh, the 5G spectrums opened up and that will drive a lot of deployments there too. But uh, the spectrum is a very important aspect as you mentioned. I think that the 5G private networks I'm seeing, there's certainly Japan, um, Taiwan as well. So some of the Asia markets that have bands which are very 5G centric. And in Europe, it's a bit patchy. So, you know, it's sort of UK, Germany, a couple of the Nordic ones. Yeah. And then, but France, on the other hand, to date has been more 4G centric. Um, they've got a 2.6 gigahertz that they're using. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, bottom line, the way I like to uh, talk about this for our salespeople and, and uh, people who may not be very familiar with the technical details is that this is a journey, right? You got to start from the right uh, applications, use cases uh, with the right devices, and the technology will keep evolving, right? There will be release 16 of 5G, release 17 of 5G. I mean, this, this train will keep going. I think that's really important. I mean, yeah, there's quite a lot of the cool, if you like, the really cool features of 5G do appear in like release 17 and so on. Like, you know, particularly for things like warehouses, it might not even be the speed or the latency or, or um, that matters, but actually it's the location capabilities is one that I've heard a few people talk about is the positioning granularity you you get in later versions of 5g um that and and you might even find that in some parts of a let's say a factory you have uh, either a, um, you might use mid-band in most of it and then millimeter wave for higher accuracy maybe where the 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 agv gets to the the docking station for recharging and it needs to be like centimeter accurate whereas the rest of the time 10 centimeters might be okay or whatever the number is exactly Exactly. And there's a huge ecosystem driving all these new features, right? I think that's the real power of 3GPP. It's a big industry, big ecosystem. All these new features will keep coming. And I just before I forget, I also want to highlight the fact that, I mean, we talked a lot about the warehouses and more industrial type use cases, but we see many places, maybe, uh, you know, retail or healthcare, or uh, university campuses where they need this reliable, uh, secure connectivity, right? And uh, those are sometimes not as sexy as like a factory automation, but that also brings a lot of uh, you know, use cases which makes a difference today. And of course there is a neutral host uh, service, which is a huge potential. I don't know if I probably, we don't have time to talk about it today, but that's, that's a very important one too, because indoor cellular coverage is an important one, right? The, the, the most, yeah, I agree. We, we, the, the most interesting one I've heard recently was there's a construction company that is using private 5G 
on a project to build a tunnel under the River Thames. And it's using it initially for sort of site uh, automation for things like cameras that can detect if the workers have got a safety helmet and the right uh, clothing. Also so that people with handhelds can get access to the architect's plans. There's a thing called a building information management system, which is like the construction industry software as a service deliver platform. But the interesting thing was they were saying, well, after we've built the tunnel, we would like to have the network still there, potentially to run it as a neutral host in the tunnel. Um, and so that, you know, because it's like a, a construction and road map, road building company. Uh, and obviously at the moment it's still early days, but I thought that was a really interesting way that they have a almost like a vision this might be possible when the project finishes and we'll have the network and the spectrum license in place. Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting for sure. So Greg, I want to make sure we are not over uh, our time. You've nailed it right on the head with that one, Mehmet. Yeah, I was looking at my watch and thought, man, I could let you guys go for another half hour, uh, but we'd have to split it into two or three more episodes. So um, thank you very much for diving into that. We also have another episode coming for our viewers and our listeners with Dean and Mehmet. Uh, we'll be talking about network slicing. But in the meantime, whether you're on four, private 4G or, pri or going to private 5G, uh, these gentlemen here have a plan for you. Uh, they've either seen it, they're thinking about it, or can guide you in that direction in some way, shape, or form. So make sure you check out Dean Bubbly's website. Uh, you see the articles that he's published in. And also Mehmet, he's always going to be here at Office Hours, or you can reach out to him either on LinkedIn or here at uh, Hello at Salona. We'd love to speak with you. In the meantime, take care of yourselves, and we'll see you again on Office Hours. Bye now. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.